You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB, 860 AM. My name is Susan Rocco, and I'm thrilled to be here in the studio every week sitting down with some women from the Philadelphia area and across the country who are doing some wonderful things. And I'm I'm very excited today to have someone with me who is, uh, number one, she's a Villanova graduate, which is near and dear to my heart, and our operations manager as well. And her name is Amy Heller, and she is founder and president of W Girls Incorporated. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Susan. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy that we finally got this together and and, um, have an opportunity to find out what it is that you've been doing um, over the past couple of years. And before we get started um, about the organization, I'd like to learn a little bit more about you and um, your background. And I understand that you grew up in Clark, New Jersey. Can you talk to me a little bit about those years? Sure. Um, I did grow up in Clark, New Jersey, and um, Clark is uh, exit 135 on the Garden State Parkway, which as soon as you move out of New Jersey, you learn very quickly. You have to tell everybody what uh, what exit you're from. Right. <laughs> I, um, I'm the oldest of four girls, and I went to public school there, and my mom is a teacher, and my dad was in sales, and um, I would say I had a pretty traditional um uh, childhood, uh, but we were also very um, active in our church and very um, active within the community um, in terms of all of the girls played sports. I was a cheerleader. I was a dancer. I was, you know, always out and about. Um, so we're a pretty social family, uh, and that was that was pretty much how I grew up. And how about uh, where did you go to high school? I went to Arthur L. Johnson, which is the re- well at the time it was the regional high school in. Um, that county. Um, it actually deregionalized while we were there, so we wound up um, accepting in um, another town um, and graduating with double the size of the students that we had we had grown up with. So, um, which was definitely an adjustment, um, but it, but a nice one. It, it gave us an opportunity to make a lot of new friends quickly. Uh, some of which um, I've stayed in touch with uh, because of Facebook and 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 all of that. And I am still very close with. A lot of my uh, friends in high school, and they are actually a lot of them are big supporters of W Girls. Oh, that's wonderful! It's it's nice to be you know doing the work you're doing close to your hometown. Yes, yes, it's very fortunate, and courtesy of the internet, it's just been fantastic to be able to accept online donations virtually from anywhere. Um, so even though many of the kids that I grew up with have moved on and and kind of um, left uh, the New Jersey area. They still are very much um, in touch um, with one another. Right. Um, so your mom, I, I always like to know a little bit about uh, mom and dad and, and what t- types of things they were doing. And so your mom did have a job and she did work outside of the home. And what types of things did she talk to you about as, as far as working? And now she was a teacher. So did she have her summers off to be with you and your she sisters? Did. She did. So 
It was really interesting. Um, I, the, the span of age between the four girls is um, almost 17 years, all from the same parents, all the same family. Um, so my mom kind of had a, a few different hats while, while I was in the house growing up. You know, when we were very young um, and I was the firstborn, she was not at work, um, and she stayed home to raise myself and my sister um, and, and then have my third sister as she got older, um, as Rachel got older, which is my third sister, she started to go back to school. Um, she did some substitute teaching. She was the cheerleading coach in my, in my town. Um, and then she um, eventually went back to school full time. My mom is a very hard worker. Um, my dad is actually retired and has been for a while. My mom is, is still working. Um, she's you know, up super early and puts in more than a full day as a teacher. Um, she also tutors on the side. I think very early on my mom taught us that, you know, hard work is important and taking pride in the work that you do, um, the way that you do it, and, um, and your appearance and, and, and those types of things um, was very important. Yeah, that's wonderful. It's always, it, you know, it's always um, nice to have an example from mom, um, you know, who does a lot of things inside the home you know, when you're raising a family, but an example of working is a great thing, I think, for young girls. I think it was excellent. And I mean, you know, I joke all the time. I say that my parents were in the business of raising good girls. Uh, they had so many opportunities. <laughs> they just kept having girls. Um, <laughs> poor dad. <laughs> right? I know. Oh, my goodness. If I had a dollar, Susan, for every time somebody said, your poor father. <laughs> That's a um, lot of estrogen in one house. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, and over a span of a very long time. Right. Um, they, um, you know, I mean, both of them are very hard workers. And my mom um, was you know, I mean, she was our earliest role model. She still is, so. Yeah, that's great. So tell me a little bit about, um, you know, you weren't always um, doing the things that you're doing today uh, is, is not necessarily your background. And I'm curious to know, um, when you went off to Villanova, um, what were your aspirations then as far as what you were pursuing? Um, when I left her school, I was hell-bent and determined that I was going to be a lawyer, Um it was absolutely what I wanted to, to, to study. Um, Villanova did not have a pre-law program, so I went into um, political science and, you know, was studying in the liberal arts school um, as a freshman. And um, somewhere very early on in my sophomore year, I realized that um, law school was not going to be something I wanted to do in the immediate, nor was it something that I needed to do with that type of specific background. Um, you know, I, I was, would be able to study business and then go into law um, if that was something that I was going to choose down the road. So I transferred to the business school and um, selected marketing, and, which was actually a really great, um, a great choice for me. Uh, the creativity and the business side of it were, were perfect, and I, I really thrived in the, in the program there. That's <clears throat> Excuse me, I, and it's a lot of, re you know, I have a lot of women who come in here, and I've had multiple that actually spent years as attorneys and left the field um, of law to pursue um, more types of positions that um, kind of help in the community. It's always interesting to me. You know, I think, um, well, I have a lot of thoughts about it. I also have a lot of friends who are lawyers. Um, so I would never knock it. I know that for me it wasn't something um, that I felt resonated with um, my core skill set, although <laughs> people in my life do say all the time that, yeah, I could be a litigator because I argue very well. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which but, it comes in very handy when you're, you know, looking for uh, support yes, for W Girls. Yeah, very persuasive. Yes. So, you know, th that aspect of it, yes. But, um you know, I, I do think that women in general, um, when you are in a career that doesn't necessarily have, you know, and it depends. There's all types of law, right? Like you could be a lawyer at a big corporate firm mm -hmm. and feel like you're not, you know, maybe necessarily reaching out directly to, to help, even though your your work is helping in the grander scale, versus someone who, you know, is a, is a family lawyer or, or doing it in a nonprofit capacity, et cetera. Right. So there are different ways to kind of, you know, um, get that that sense of, of helping with the community. But you're right, it is harder. And um, 
I see a lot of women who um, are in a lot of fields uh, that are very uh, corporate, uh, such as finance, leave to leave to do something that's more community related. Right, right. Now, uh, when you graduated, you actually went and worked on Wall Street for for some time. Talk to me about that. How did th- that position come to be? Um, well, you know, it was very interesting. I was recruited off of campus to work for Arthur Anderson Business Consulting, and at the time, I was enamored by the fact that there would be all of this travel, um, and I wound up in very exotic places like Detroit, Michigan, and Green Bay, Wisconsin, and um, <laughs> Rochester, New York, and not to knock any of them, but it was through the winter, and I was literally snowed into an airport, you know, oh, no. and it was just craziness. Um, so I was doing that, and I was working um, in a... In a telecommunications um, industry that was that's where we were um, based out of and I just was not happy I missed home I wanted to travel less Um, and so my first decision to really look at finance was based not on finance itself but really on the things that the lifestyle could provide for me which was to be back in Manhattan which is where I was paying to live and to um, spend more time with friends and family who I had kind of been um, away from for my first year out of, out of school. So that's how that started. And um, fortunately, when I got out of school, the economy was fantastic. Villanova um, is a great education. Arthur Anderson, right after that, was basically a key to be able to walk into wherever I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, you know, the, the market was very strong, and anyone that had any background with um, technology, which, you know, they teach you very at very cursory levels um, at Anderson, um, was very sought after. So that was fortunate because I was able to kind of make that switch seamlessly. And I went to J.P. Morgan um, within a year out of being at school, and that kind of started a several-year um, uh, stint in finance um, where, I, where I hopped around quite a bit. And, and what year was that, Amy? Um, I think that was 2000. 2000, okay. You're and, dating me, Susan. Uh, well, <laughs> I believe you're younger than me, miss. <laughs> All right, we won't talk about yours. Oh, uh, um, But tell me some of the things that you, you took from that job. I mean, that historically is an industry, I think, with, with more men than women. And I'm sure you had to hold your own there. And um, I'd love to hear some of the some of the lessons you learned spending uh, time in in finance and working in that type of environment. Sure. You know, you know, I worked in various capacities. I was in sales and then I was in um, consulting and um, operational and strategic consulting. So um, and I worked for several banks. I worked for Morgan Stanley and Citibank, J.P. Morgan, and UBS Payne Weber. Um, so the experiences were varied, but you are right. Um, it is majority men, mm-hmm. um, as was consulting, right, coming right out of school. So very early on, I, um, my sense of, of work and, and being able to, to fit in was um, very much about that. Um, I got used to it really early, and it, and it was fine. As interesting... And it was interesting because I had come from a family of all women, um, but I get along very easily with men, and, and so it was not a problem um, from that capacity. That said, um, you know, it taught me very um, early on, and I don't even think I realized that how it feels to be a minority in a situation. Right, um, right. Until that point, I had never been in a situation like that. You know, I, I grew up in a... Um, a town that was very similar demographically to where I wound up going to college and then coming into a situation um, with the city. I had was traveling so much that I really was kind of isolated. And then being put into that kind of environment, it was my first experience where I realized, oh, okay, um, you know, there, you know, I am a minority in this situation. And that was really interesting. Um, it took a couple of years to kind of really speak out and understand better what, what that meant to me. Um, but at the time that it was going on, we were so busy and were working so hard. You had your head down, and you also felt like you had to work super hard um, in, that, in those jobs anyway. Right, um, right. 
So it really wasn't um, something where I felt like I had to prove myself any differently or, or, or anymore. Um, and then as I progressed in, in um, that field uh, and I worked in a more operational and strategic capacity, I did work with, um, with more women, more senior women, and more women who were at my level but clearly if they, they were tracking to become senior in the organization. And so that was a real... That was a treat because I felt like I found, you know, people that I could really relate to, um, you know, not just from a work capacity, but the, the type of women that, that chose that job right, really right. resonated with me. Well, you, you know, you, you must have had um, a strong sense of self um, to do that, I think, and, and I wonder where that came from for you, um, that belief uh, that that you could do that job and do that, you know, surrounded by uh, mostly men. Where do you think that uh, self-esteem came from for you? Hmm. I think that's such an interesting question. I would definitely say that my family played a part in that. I mean, at a very young age, we were taught, you know, that we were um, strong and smart women um, in my family. And... Um, to be honest with you, I don't think I ever looked at it that way. I never looked at it as saying, oh, this is going to be tough. It's, it's not a traditionally female industry. Um, it was kind of like, these are the best jobs, and I am going to get one of the best jobs. Right. <laughs> and that was really how, how I looked at it. I don't know if that sounds cocky. I have no idea. No, I, I honestly, think it's wonderful. I think it sounds yeah, great. I think that that's really, it, it was really what it was, so... That was that. Right. Well, I think it's it's probably a combination of things. Just, you know, when you just kind of described that beginning um, of your life and, and family support and good schools, and um, it's great. It's great. You know, but a lot of times, the, the reason um, I do this show often is to share these stories from women like you in particular um, to kind of inspire other women that have a little bit more self-doubt and, and question um, their abilities. And um, I think it's wonderful that you just kind of forged ahead without even thinking about it. Well, you know, Susan, I mean, I think that that, it, that makes a lot of sense in terms of what you're saying for my traditional, like, or for my original career path, but I can definitely say that and, and can relate to the fact that there is self-doubt and there are times when you really question what it is that you're doing, and certainly as I as I transitioned to W Girls, and then not only transitioned to it, but then made it my full time job. You know, I definitely wrestled with that type of thing. So I don't want to say, seem like I'm like an iron woman. Um, <laughs> you know, I, the, the the feelings of you know, is this going to work out? Is this the right decision? Can I even do this? Right. Uh, there are certainly things that that I that I face. Right. Well, you know what? You're a great example of, uh, of course, we have those thoughts and, and all of us every day question our choices and, and what we're doing and we want it to be the best. Um, but the, you know, the point is to just, to just keep going. And, you know, if it's something that you want to do, um, you know, you go with, with the failures and then with the accomplishments. Very true. And, you know, I kind of have gotten to this point in my life where I start asking myself, like, what's the worst that could happen? Right. Really? You know, and, and very much when you sit down and you look at what the worst is, it's really not that bad. Um, a lot of the, the decisions that we make um, or, or fail to make are, are based on our own fear and limitations and things. And, and uh, you know, I, I give some talks and um, one of the things that I talk about is really reconciling um, your insecurities. They're always going to be there. Mm -hmm. People have insecurities. We're we're bred to have insecurities, especially as women. Um, And getting to a point where you can say, yes, this is here. I have this fear. I accept it. But I'm making the conscious choice to move forward and past it, Mm -hmm. um, knowing that it's always going to be there, really lessens that voice in your head and the power that it has over you. That's right. That's exactly right. And and I love what you said that what really what is the worst that can happen? Right. Uh, you know, if you think about that and, you know, it, it always kind of makes you feel um, that you should give it a give it a try, whatever give that. Give it a go. Give I it mean, a go. Within reason. That's right. You know. 
That's right. Um, Amy, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, I'd love to talk about uh, when and how the decision came for you to start W Girls. Great. We'll be right back. Want your home to look great for company from out of town, moving to a new place, or just want the satisfaction of a clean, healthy home? Whatever your reason, everybody needs to clean. So why not choose the line of cleaning tools that makes your task easier? Quickie is your one-stop cleaning solution with everything you need to get the job done right. Whether you're cleaning one room or the whole house, Quickie has the right tool for the job. It doesn't matter if you prefer a more traditional mop and bucket or if you'd like to save time with a new Quickie Spray Mop. Quickie has everything you need to get the job done. Founded in Philadelphia over 60 years ago, Quickie's commitment to quality and value have helped it grow to the number one cleaning tool in America. It's Quickie, and it's clean. Look for Quickie products at Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, ShopRite, and other fine retailers near you. At Bluebell Physical Therapy, our goal is to get you back in the game, back to work, and back to your normal way of life. Our highly respected team provides preventative and rehabilitation services from everyday physical and occupational therapy to post-operative rehab of your knees, shoulders, or spine. Bluebell Physical Therapy focuses on achieving each patient's maximum level of recovery. Bluebell Physical Therapy, the treatment you need from the therapist you trust. It's really tough for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice. Some brokers only push the latest hot stocks, and some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars. That's where the Mutual Fund Store comes in. It's where you talk with your local advisor, someone you can meet with face-to-face, not somebody wearing a headset a thousand miles away. And your Mutual Fund Store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be. From day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the Mutual Fund Store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit MutualFundStore.com or call the Mutual Fund Store now in East Norriton and Cherry Hill, 877-239-8330. That's 877-239-8330. Welcome back, everyone. We're here on Women to Watch at WWDB AM 860. And today, um, I'm thrilled to be speaking with Amy Heller, who is founder and president of W Girls Incorporated, um, an organization which helps women and children, um, not just in the United States, but across the world, um, who are suffering from all different types of um, experiences. And uh, just before the break, Amy and I were discussing um, her job before W Girls, and I wanted to find out, Amy, how and when the decision came to you um, to start this organization? Sure. Um, well, I was working, um, you know, as you know, in, in finance, and um, W Girls actually started, interestingly, um, now in retrospect, um, on Craigslist. And um, this was several years ago, and I was sitting at my desk, and I was thinking about um, oddly enough, my personal life, I was making a transition in a relationship and really looking to um, enjoy some time being single and wanted to spend some time with other like-minded women who, you know, were young and fun and out in the city and um, also single um, and in a similar situation where a lot of my close girlfriends from school and from, from previous jobs were either getting into serious relationships or going back to graduate school. It was really a time of transition um, for a lot of people. And so I was kind of looking for just a few good kind of go-out buddies. And um, I posted an ad, and I basically said just that. And the response was overwhelming. And um, I didn't tell my, at the time, my real friends what I was doing. Because um, I think I thought it odd that, that that I was soliciting women on the internet. You know, that's how we joke about it now. <laughs> that doesn't know, come across really funny, right? But um, so um, 
I started meeting with these girls, and, you know, they started bringing their their friends, and then um, it was sort of a self-selecting group. We used to um, spend time together on Wednesdays because Wednesday was a day where kind of the middle of the week, nobody had a date, nobody, you know, like that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, eventually I started telling my girlfriends about it. They started coming, and um, very soon after, about six to eight weeks after, we looked around and we had – You know, someone with a finance background, somebody with a marketing background, somebody with graphic design background, somebody who was a teacher, somebody, just this array of um, professional women. And, um, and, and I, you know, we were standing around one day um, having drinks and I said, you know, there's such a group of talent here, we should be doing something. And that was the, that was the start, although we didn't know it at the time, you know, we thought that we would throw a couple of parties, and um, very soon after, we, we threw um, uh, our first bachelor bachelorette auction to help um, victims of the tsunami, and um, I remember standing up on the stage and um, announcing it to this gigantic crowd that we had no idea how we had even gotten in the room in like three weeks, and um, it was very clear to me at that, at that moment that that what we were supposed to be doing wasn't social, wasn't just social. It was philanthropic, and that that would become something very important to me. And uh, and we went from there. That is so interesting to me that you know you really just were reaching out, looking for some companionship, I guess, of women who, um, you know, weren't feeling the need for so much for relationships at that time, and you were just socializing, and then your conversation led to these endeavors. That's, that's really interesting. You know, I think it made a lot of sense looking back at it. Um, I think it, community in general is so important for women. And back to, you know, kind of what we're talking about, um, what we were talking about earlier, it wasn't something that I was necessarily getting at work. Um, I had a few close girlfriends from work because we were living our job at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so that was definitely, definitely part of it. Um, and the, uh, and the part, to, to really seek out more meaning was really um, something that was resonating very deeply with me at the time. You know, I was spending all of my intellectual energy, um, you know, creating things that were eventually creating more wealth for already extremely wealthy individuals. I was working um, very closely with the private wealth management um, division in, in the firm that I was in, and I would often be at my desk and say, like, what, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I doing? And, and, and that was a larger question to me. You know, it was what am I doing with everything that I believe God gave, a, uh, gave me in terms of talent and, and ability to, to bring people together? Am I using that? Mm-hmm. So at what point was it that you decided you were going to actually leave that altogether and just focus on the organization, W Girls? Oh, well, it was not quickly. Um, you know, it was, um, and it was not without a lot of, uh, a lot of planning and thought. Um, I spent, um, uh, several more years in finance and, and W Girls started as a pet project. And then through word of mouth, it started to spread. You know, we were rather large in New York City and getting well known. And then in, um, you know, friends of friends would get in touch and want to start chapters in other cities, and um, by the time I knew that I needed to leave, um, I had switched from a full-time role in, in finance to consulting to get a little bit more flexibility because I was now managing, you know, a what was rapidly becoming a full-time other job right, um, right. on the side, and um, one of my contracts had just run out, and I was very accustomed to just picking up the phone, talking to my headhunter, um, because once you once you work in that capacity, that's how you you get staff just to contract after contract. And um, something made me stop. I woke up in the morning and I said, like, I can make this phone call. I could probably land myself at X Y Z Bank within you know three weeks. But if I don't take charge of this now, it's growing out of control. If I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? Um, and you know, I, and so it was much more a gut decision around wanting it to survive and thrive than it was about, you know, the financial impact that it would have on me or, 
perceive it or the lifestyle impact. I didn't know either of those things tremendously well when I made the decision, um, but it felt like the right decision, and it was. Yeah, and and that's um, that's a pretty brave thing that you did because um, you know you're uh, this is a nonprofit organization, but at the same time, you know you have to make a living, and you know you didn't know where this was going to go. Um, at at the time of this decision, were, are there people with you that are supporting you and saying, Amy, yes, you can do this, you know, let's, we'll help and, and let's put this thing together and make it work. You know, it was interesting. Um, through the years, we had gotten very, um, you know, popular in certain areas. And when I would speak to people, they assumed that it was my full-time job, you know, and, you know, people that didn't know me well. And so when they, when they realized that it wasn't, they were like, oh my goodness, like, do you sleep? Right, um, right. <laughs> And, um, you know, so I had um, a lot of support in terms of people believing that it, you know, was a, a functioning concept and it was doing well and, it, you know, it was, it was relatively established. I also had, you know, um, a lot of support as I was growing and I was in a, in a very serious relationship for a long time and, and he was a very strong supporter of, of W. Girls and its mission um, and helped, you know, from a from um, that capacity, from an emotional um, and support capacity. Um, I think my family was concerned. Um, you know, it was a huge change, and, you know, they they worried. Um, you know, they had always seen me as very self-sufficient, and a lot of that in their minds had to do with the money that I was making, which was good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there, there was some concern there. But the organization itself had also grown to the point where, we had brought on a national board, and, and those women were, were pivotal in, in really helping um, support that decision to, to kind of move, um, move someone um, and ultimately me into, into that full-time position. Um, let, let's talk about the mission for a moment. Um, for, for the listeners who, who aren't familiar with W Girls and what exactly it is that you're looking to do. So our mission and vision um, is to serve disadvantaged women and children in local communities um, throughout the United States, and then in times of international crisis, we'll, we'll send support um, overseas. But it's a relatively broad-based mission, and we did that um, deliberately because our chapters are all over the country, and the women who come together, the professional women who come together as W Girls members, have different things on their hearts in terms of what they'd like to like to support. Um, you know, so we wind up working um, in various capacities and working with all types of um, all types of organizations um, that support women and children. And you know, whether it's from a um, health perspective or an educational perspective, um, domestic violence, homelessness. Um, you know, uh, we have our own prom program where we dress, you know, over 1,500 disadvantaged young women, um, economically disadvantaged young women in, um, in New York City every year um, for, their, for their proms. You know, so we have a very broad um, interpretation of our mission mm-hmm. that allows us to, to function in various capacities as to what, depending on what the needs are um, in those communities. Right. And yeah, and that's great because, you know, you're, you're always focusing on women and children, but there's so many different areas uh, where they're struggling and where they need help and, and why limit it to one area. Yeah. You know, and we wrestled with that as well. Um, you know, where are we going to go and are we going to really hone in on education? Education is something that's very important to me, um, you know, being the daughter of a teacher and, and having such positive experiences both at Villanova and Columbia. But I, I just felt like there were so many different things that were resonating with the women that I was speaking to. And after all, these women are volunteers. And so to get them excited and passionate about something, um, you know, in the, with the spare time that they do have, mm-hmm. um, you want them to, 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 to be able to have some choice in that and some flexibility. Right. That's a great idea. You mentioned Columbia. I understand, and I'm not sure whether you've you've finished your master's, but you were um, looking to get a master's in fundraising at Columbia. I am about halfway through a master's in fundraising, and I put it on hold. Um, I was paying for it myself, 
and um, financially that is not something that's working out for my first year as a full-time nonprofit entrepreneur. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it did not make the budget. Right. Um, I understand. Yeah. You know, um, I had uh, money in the bank um, when, I, when I left consulting in finance. Um, I was kind of mentally prepared for, for what I was getting myself into and, and had enough of a a nest egg to be able to live off my savings while I, while I monetized um, or further monetized this position rather. Um, so, but you know there was no room in the in the budget for that. I would like to go back and finish it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have plans to do that. Um, it's interesting. Life has been a very interesting teacher in terms of of, of learning about fundraising. Um, this job has has done a phenomenal job with that and all of the various aspects of running a nonprofit organization. Um, but there still is a lot to learn, and, and I am a, you know, a forever student. So, right. so I, I do, of course, have plans to, to finish that. That's great. T- talk to me about how do you get your funding? What, what are some of the things that you do? I know we have a lot of listeners that are um, not only businesswomen, but many are, are involved in, in nonprofits and um, community work in some capacity. What have you found to be um, a good way to, to get some funding? So we do a couple of things that really work well. I mean, traditionally, the way that we were set up is as fundraising and volunteer organizations. So our our chapters um, host events and benefits um, that that provide money for the organization as well as for our beneficiaries. Traditionally, a majority of it, um, or I would say in the high 90s, goes directly to a beneficiary. However, we are moving towards um, having some type of um, income for the organization itself because the chapters are growing and they need um, operational budget, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do a lot of that. And then we do a lot of online um, fundraising, which, you know, when we have specific campaigns, I feel like. Um, it's something that, that folks can really relate to. Um, for example, if we're, or a few years ago, we uh, provided Christmas gifts or holiday gifts, rather, for over 500 children at Harlem Hospital, and we wanted to do $50 per child. Um, you know, so to raise a quick $25,000, um, you know, what we, what we really, we did a combination of things like we hosted an event and we did our traditional things where we do raffles and silent auction and sold tickets but we also did a lot of online fundraising and 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 asked our networks to support a child um and you know i have a fantastic network i'm so blessed to have the the friends and family and support that i do and the, the organization so blessed to have um supporters who kind of grew up with us um so we get a lot of our funding that way. And, you know, we should mention that um, there's a Philadelphia chapter about to begin, or has it already launched? Um, no, it's about to begin, and we're looking um, very much forward to that um, in mid-August. Um, we are just recruiting now for it, and um, if you go to wgirls.org and contact us, if you are in the Philadelphia area, um, we'd love to We'd love to have you on board. We're also on meetup.com at WGirls Philadelphia, and that's how we're doing some of our initial recruiting in the area mm-hmm. um, with the hopes that um, those women will be brought together to do something in the early fall as their inaugural um, fundraising and volunteer activity. Um, Amy, is there, is there a woman who would be a contact person in Philadelphia for that chapter? Um, we're actually seeking out um, a, a president for that role, um, so the best thing to do right now is to really um, write in to contact at wgirls.org. And if that's something that you're interested in, um, express that interest. I'm interviewing a few candidates right now, um, but we haven't identified um, the perfect person. And it's such a critical um, thing to get right um, because it can make or break a chapter. So, you know, we want to make sure that we find um, a woman who has the interest and the leadership ability and also the heart for women and children as well as um, a desire to, to really give back in her community. Right. And it t- tell me, um, or and the listeners, how many that your chapters are um, nationwide, um, but also worldwide. Where are they exactly? Um, we are nationwide and we're also in London. 
Um, we did have a chapter in Perth, Australia. However, um, that is no longer up and running. So we are um, predominantly focused in the U.S. with a chapter in London and plans to move to Scotland. Um, however, um, our predominant focus right now is, is U.S.-based chapters. Okay. Um, we're going to take one last quick break, Amy, and uh, when we come back, I want to get really into some of the specifics of all the different types of events that uh, you hold and how people can get involved. Great. Okay. Be right back. At Bluebell Physical Therapy, our goal is to get you back in the game, back to work, and back to your normal way of life. Our highly respected team provides preventative and rehabilitation services from everyday physical and occupational therapy to post-operative rehab of your knees, shoulders, or spine. Bluebell Physical Therapy focuses on achieving each patient's maximum level of recovery. Bluebell Physical Therapy, the treatment you need from the therapist you trust. Do you know Saltz Matkov? Would you like a legal team with over 100 years of experience working for you to defend litigation in the areas of business and contract disputes, employment, transportation and aviation, products and premises liability, intellectual property and construction? We are Saltz Matkov, and we can help. From Wall Street to Main Street, we represent Fortune 500 companies and small businesses alike, achieving successful results inside and outside of the courtroom. For a free consultation, contact us at 484-318-7225 or visit us on the web at saltsmatkov.com. That's S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-T-K-O-V.com. Large firm expertise for a fraction of the cost and with all of the personal attention you need. Serving Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. Call 484-318-7225 or go to saltsmatkov.com. It's really tough for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice. Some brokers only push the latest hot stocks, and some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars. That's where the mutual fund store comes in. It's where you talk with your local advisor, someone you can meet with face-to-face, not somebody wearing a headset a thousand miles away. And your mutual fund store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be. From day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the mutual fund store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit MutualFundStore.com or call the Mutual Fund Store now in East Norriton and Cherry Hill, 877-239-8330. That's 877-239-8330. Welcome back to Women to Watch here on WWDB AM 860. We are in the studio today with Amy Heller, who is founder and president of W Girls Incorporated. And Amy is actually joining us by phone from New York. And uh, Amy, I'd like to talk a little bit about some of this, the events that you do specifically. I know that you um, had that wonderful dress um, event where you um, were able to have people donate uh, dresses for girls that probably did not have an opportunity to, to have them to go to prom. What are some of the other events that you've put together? Um, Sure. So we do um, about four events per chapter throughout the year, and the way that it works is we allow our our chapters to determine what types of events they'd like to host. Um, Because we have such an extensive background in it, we we give guidance and recommendations for the things that we do. Um, But coming up, I think I mentioned it earlier, our very, very first event that we ever did was a Bachelor Bachelorette auction, and it was a tremendous success. Um, so we have um, made that an annual event in New York City, um, and various chapters throughout the country have also um, kind of taken hold of that. Um, so we're excited about that. In, in Manhattan, we're doing that in the fall. Um, our new Columbus, Ohio chapter actually just made the announcement that they're also doing one as well. And um, those are super fun because we bring together um, friends and friends of friends, um, and we get nominations from all across the city 
Um, we decide on the top 30 people and, and based on, you know, who they are and what they do and do they have large networks and are they community-focused um, and, you know, of course, are they attractive because it's a date auction and, um, you know, we host a very, very large event that, it, that in Manhattan attracts about 700 to 1,000 people every year. Um, and that raises about thirty to 50000 for our beneficiaries. Um, last year we did it for Hurricane Sandy Relief. And this year we're doing it for the Young Women's Leadership Network, um, which is a privately funded charter school for urban girls in Harlem. Um, and, well, actually it's based in Harlem, but through the five boroughs, um, to prepare them for, for college. So we're excited about that. Um, all of our chapters do a Hope for the Holidays event. That's the one event that I hold them to um, as, as an organization nationwide, um, that they serve in some capacity around the holidays um, to reach out to um, those in need. We, in the last couple of years, have been very focused with foster children, um, so it seems to be a, a running theme across the country. Um, there's a lot of need in that capacity. Um, so we will do fundraising and purchase gifts and supplies. And, you know, sometimes those children need, you know, necessity-based items and toiletries. Um, and then host events um, or holiday parties where, you know, if it makes sense, then Santa Claus comes in and we cook and we bake and we do all types of uh, fun games and, and those types of things for either uh, foster children or homeless shelters um, ex or hospitals, um, and that's something that our girls really enjoy. Um, we're also very active um, in, in supporting all types of um, health initiatives that support women, so our girls are very often raising funds for the Red Lawn Run Walk or Susan G. Komen, um, things of that nature, and then they participate in, in the various um, events that those organizations have set up, which are very often athletic events or, or 5Ks, et cetera. Um, but but our, our events are as varied as our girls are, I like to say. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have, uh, for example, I had no idea what the heck cornhole was, and our New Jersey, coastal New Jersey chapter had an entire cornhole tournament and raised a ton of money. Okay, um, I don't know. know what that is, but my board operator is laughing hysterically. <laughs> She's from laughing? New Jersey. Yeah, I had no idea what that was either. <laughs> I, I, do know, I know now. I, I, I know now because I was like, um, you can't do that unless I know what it is. Um, <laughs> but, it sounds um, a little scary. Right? I was like, hey, what? You know, and then they've also done you know, horseshoe tournaments and things that would never fly in Manhattan. Right. Um, you know, <laughs> Well, then we had a chapter do something where they were they were outside of a Lululemon store and they had a cowbell and they, they the girls would run a mile to raise money um, for for breast cancer research. Wow! And so you know they, there are all different types of things and and you know we it's not just parties although we do throw fantastic parties um, we do a lot of um, also hands-on volunteer work um, with the organizations that we support so. Our girls will do about four big events a year and then throughout the entire year um, go and do hands-on volunteer work um, to support the, the organizations that we've um, chosen. Right. I, I think that's great that you really leave um, kind of the creativity to each individual chapter because, as you said, they, they all have different challenges and gifts. And um, so that makes it just so much more interesting and it opens up broader opportunities, I think, to raise the funds you're looking to raise. It's great, and, you know, it keeps the girls on their toes, and they also learn so much from, from one another. You know, we, we are constantly um, putting um, our leadership teams together on the phone um, to learn from one another um, and, and really create a community across the country. Um, and so certain things that, you know, they pick up from, from one chapter, and they'll say, you know what, that could work for us, and they'll bring it back to their board and, and ask about it, and if mm -hmm. it makes sense for them, then they'll duplicate that. And it's so nice because I'm always like, let's not reinvent the wheel. Atlanta did that six months ago. Let's figure out how to do it in Boston and make it a success. Right. Amy, tell me why it was important for you to focus on women and children. You know, it's, I get asked that a lot, and I think it was just, it's so interesting because I mean, obviously, at my root with, with being the eldest of four girls, I think that I've always 
I've always seen myself as a as a big sister, both literally and figuratively. Um, you know, and um, it, it was just something that was it, that was inherent in me. Um, I I think that everyone can relate to to wanting support to, to wanting to support children. Um, but women, you know, are are the caretakers in a, a you know majority of situations. And from what I had seen um, in terms of before we really focused in and, and and narrowed in, was that there are so much opportunity if you can raise up a woman and help her in terms of feeling healthy and feeling good and getting an education. Um, that's going to translate into what she's able to provide for her children. And, um, and that, in turn, will, will help change, change, you know, literally the world. Right. Um, so that it was, you know, something that, that just resonated very deeply with me from, from the onset. So I would say it's a little bit of, of, of how I grew up and, mm-hmm. and, just, and then um, a little bit of what I've seen. And it's just at my, at my heart, which is basically how I lead all of my decisions with W Girls, it was something that, that made a lot of sense. Yeah, that's wonderful. Tell, um, tell me, I'd l- love to know what some of the challenges are for you on a day-to-day basis because, you you know, you're managing a lot and there's people looking to you um, from all over. Um, and I'm sure you have, you know, personal things that you need to take care of on a day-to-day basis. What, what's the biggest challenge of um, being the president of, a, of an organization this large? Um, I would say that the largest challenge is that right now um, – you know, there's because we are a volunteer-based organization. There's only so much that you can ask of your of your girls, right? And mm-hmm. we have an amazing, an amazing group of women who lead um, across the country. But you know, there's it's it's very different than than operating in a management capacity in a for-profit organization where everyone that's working with you is being paid. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is definitely challenging, and I would also say, um, for me at least, is is losing that structure of the the traditional nine to five, which was never really a nine to five. It was much more like you know eight to seven or mm-hmm. eight to eight, or most of the time, or maybe if it was nine, but it was always into the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, that has changed a lot. You know, we're 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 all over the place, and so you know, it's different time zones, and it's. You know, especially when, um, you know, people farther out west, um, you know, they get home from their traditional nine-to-five jobs, and then they need some time to unwind, and then they start doing W Girls work. So, you know, very often I'll be on the phone at 10, 11 o'clock at night. Um, you know, so my day is, is, is different than, than the average in terms of the way that it's structured, the way that it's set up, and actually the hours that I keep. Right. And you know that it's it's very often true if it, if it's your own. In other words, if you're an entrepreneur and, and you are um, running the business, owning the business, you, you care more about it. So you put in more hours just because it's it's more personal for you. It is more personal. And hopefully if you are an entrepreneur, business person, you're doing something that you like. And so your natural the gravitation should be to want to work because it's something that you enjoy. Right. Yes, you feel passionate and committed to it, and you don't want to see it fail because you are the reason it will succeed or fail. Um, but also, I mean, I would hope, and, I, and especially talking to, to women out there that are, are pursuing entrepreneurial passions, that it's something that they, they, they truly love. I right. love the W girls. So even though it gets frustrating sometimes and just like everybody else's job, you want to bang your head against a wall sometimes over certain things, mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, it would be something that I would get up for at 4 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, stay up all night for and have right. um, and, and would happily continue to do that. Um, I'd love to hear from you about some some of the things that you've taken away from this. Is you, you're meeting a lot of women and, and men as well. I'm sure there's businesses, organizations that are um, helping you fund, and they're not necessarily all women. But I know, you know, for me doing this job, every week I meet another woman who who is out there active and pursuing something, and I take away something every week from each woman that I sp- speak to. Um, I'm wondering what all these years of working in this capacity have taught you about women in general. Oh, so much. 
you know, it's funny, too. It's a, ironic, you know, when we were talking about being in a field for many years that was predominantly men to making a career change, and literally every single person that I work with is a woman in terms of, um, you know, the organization itself. Our events are, are clearly co-ed. Um, but, yeah, so we um, – I would say there's a couple of different things that I that I've learned. One, um, I think that there is that large calling, almost of what we talked about earlier about you know your your friends and colleagues and people that you've met um, that have left law careers. Um, there are women in every industry that are looking to feel more connected with with something, um, and I, I truly believe that that's a nurturing. Um, Piece of, of that, and I, I, I think it's biological. I have no other explanation for it. Um, I see in big cities where women are pursuing education and career and delaying marriage and, you know, and, and having children as still looking for something that's going to resonate with them outside of their primary romantic relationship and their, their nine-to-five job. Um, that has been hugely apparent to me. It's the reason W Girls exists and thrives. Um, and I also see in women a desire to really um, really have that sense of community. I don't know if that's with men. I, I have no idea. But to really feel like they can dip their toe into something where other women can relate to exactly what it is that they're doing. And so I think that that's why sororities are so popular. I think that's why women's organizations thrive. I think that women naturally seek out community and they thrive from it. Um, I think we're more verbal. I think we talk things out. And so when you do talk things out and things are important to you, you need someone to do that to and with. Um, that's how women naturally relate. And so I think that seeking out a sense of community and also seeking out something that's going to feed the feed that, um, that nurturing component of them um, are two things that I've definitely learned about women um, in the last few years. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, that whole collaborative um, feeling does come very natural to us. And I, um, I'm so impressed by the work you've done. And we are actually winding down to the end of the show already. And uh, I, I think it's important that, you, number one, you give out the contact information, the best way to reach you um, if someone's interested in getting involved, and then, of course, for the Philadelphia chapter. Okay, terrific. Well, our website is wgirls.org, and that's W and the word girls, all one word, .org. And you can reach me directly at amy.heller, H-E-L-L-E-R, at wgirls.org. Um, and you can actually contact me about the Philadelphia chapter or go to the more generic um, online uh, component and go to contact at wgirls.org. You're also welcome to give us a, a call. We are at 888-WGIRLS-8. Um, that was in honor of our first eight chapters. That's when we got our, our 1-800 number. And um, I would love to hear from, from women from everywhere, but especially in the Philadelphia area as we get set to, uh, to bring the organization to the city of brotherly love yes is is there a special event surrounding that launch amy that people need to know about or is I that i think that, that will be something that'll really be collaborative with the women that we get you know at true to what we do um we really want them involved right from the start so i would never you know say okay this is what you're doing and this is how to do it i'd, I'd like to get the group together and say welcome what are your interests how would you like to best interface with your city in serving women and children and then go from there? Okay. And I do know that on your website, um, all of your events are listed um, as they come about. So that's a great way for people to just find out everything that they want to know about W Girls. Absolutely. Okay. Amy, thank you so much. I really appreciate you giving me a whole hour this morning. I know you have a busy day. And uh, hopefully one of these days when I get up to New York, we'll get to meet in person. I am excited to see you, and absolutely, and thank you so much for having me. I really appreciated it. Okay. Have a great day, Amy. I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
That's it, everyone, for this week's Women to Watch on WWDB AM 860. And again, my name is Susan Rocco. And if you have any questions for any of my guests um, or you have an interest in coming on the show, I'd love to hear from you. So feel free to call me at 215-313-5561. Have a great week, everyone. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.